Hello and welcome to the Scaling Edge. I am your host, Michael Brooks. Max is here. Hello, hey, Max. Hey. Hey, hey. Uh, this is the internet talk program that focuses on hard-won lessons by battle-hardened entrepreneurs that wisdom that they're conveying to you here today. Uh, our intention is for you to walk away with some piece of information that helps you scale your business and your life. Today, we have Alex Zikoff. He is doing some amazing thing with healthcare and AI. Today, he's here to share how businesses are adapting AI and using it to to really change their industry. And uh, you kind of have to, or you're dead. AI, or you're dead. And it's not that it's going to take your job. I know there's a lot of confusion there. It's not going to take over everything, but it's, it's like calculators. It's like uh, we were in horse and buggies a week ago, and now we've got cars. And if you're not driving cars and trucks, you're going to go away. No, no, the buggy whips salesman is dead. He's got to go get a new job. Alex, thank you for being a part of our program. Thank you for being on the Scaling Edge. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here? Yeah, thanks, Michael. I uh, really appreciate you having me on today. Alex Zikov, co-founder, CEO of Thoughtfully. I started my career in Deloitte Consulting's technology group, helping aerospace companies build large ERP systems. Moved to Japan for a couple of years. I helped uh, Mitsubishi set up a company. Did the business school thing for two years on the West Coast. Went to Berkeley, focusing on entrepreneurship, design, thinking, venture capital. I went back to my first customer. I went back to building bots or AI workers, we call them, circa 2017. It was really expensive. I saw the promise. When I say AI workers, I'm talking about a lot of different technologies we can jump in, including RPA, OCR, NLP, and the most recent one that's made headlines, large language models like ChatGPT. Decided to leave Deloitte 2019 with a mission to democratize this technology. It's really expensive. Usually enterprises can afford it. Start a new model as a service. Um, and we're really mean? helping what healthcare does that companies. Mean democratize it. I mean, I've heard that. Does that mean just uh, make it so everybody can vote on it? What does it mean to <sighs> democratize the technology? Great question. An AI worker, I represent a true AI is replacing a human, 100% of a human workflow. And to do that back in 2017, it was costing us about half a million dollars if you added the technology licenses, the implementation cost, and the internal team to basically replicate what a human was doing at scale. Think about repetitive workflows across seven systems, 200 clicks, and then processes like sales and distribution. Left away 2019, got rid of all the technology licenses, built it on open source, our own technology stack, got that cost down to 25000 And so at that, instead of it being a Fortune 500 type technology, we could then come to mid-market healthcare providers and give them the same technology at a fraction of the price and really focus on business outcomes. So that's been our mission is to so able to give this not just enterprise. So democratizing just means making it available to people who wouldn't otherwise have it. Correct. Essentially, lowering the cost is democratizing something. Yeah, for us, it's it's making it more available access to these mid-market healthcare providers. Got it. So it's not just cost, but it's access, which is sometimes yeah. go hand in hand. Yes, Very cool. absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great. That's a great point. And through today, it's been a really awesome path. You know, the last seven years, it's been very interesting as these technologies have developed. And I'd actually say we're at the point today where we're seeing it being, like you said, this game-changing thing where it's going to be companies who are AI powered who are going to win. And if you have not deployed AI internally, not only as an internal strategy or as an external product, you're probably not going to be around in 10 years. And why do I say that? Let's look at Henry Ford's assembly line in the 1910s. Go look at photos. There's people on the assembly line moving parts. Fast forward to the 1980s, fully automated robotic factories moving parts. We can think of parts as data. Right now, there's about $7 trillion of labor every year that they log into a computer terminal and they move data around. Kind of archaic if we think about that now that we have large language models and RPA yeah, that can so do that at a fraction of the price. Seven trillion dollars of data that are being done by humans that could be done through AI. Correct. Okay. That's the problem set. Listen, when I talk what to venture capitalists, 
it's a huge number. And just in the healthcare, U.S. healthcare system alone, you're, you know, you're talking over $500 billion of back office administration work, denied claims, just literally people pushing data. It's an archaic thing. And so listen, when we're talking to healthcare customers right now, we're saying, hey, we can help you collect. The biggest problem in healthcare right now is denied claims. So if you, let's say you're a $100 million in revenue healthcare organization, about 20 million of that is sitting in an account that you just can't touch. I thought the healthcare... Like, don't they just need someone to say no all the time? When claim goes in, isn't it just always deny claims? Is that like the That's the usually the, that's the standard, basically. It's uh, some administrative error that the payer says, hey, we're not going to pay that. That's just an account. And guess what? A great solution to fix that problem is robots. Robots never mess up. They never fat finger. Well, I, or my former wife. She never, ever didn't say no. That was just, that was just <laughs> constant. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to pay that. No. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Just well, kidding. If we're I listen, if we yeah, that's uh <laughs> I, I definitely feel that for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay, so there's five hundred billion, half a trillion dollars in your your industry that you've identified, which is why how many offices do you have now? Uh we have three offices in the US and then we have about we employ about fifty Python developers globally on that build on our platform. So how how many total people do you have at your organization? Seventy FTE. 30 full-time employees. That's a big operation. And the, the entire, that's a lot of people to replace people. Yeah, it's actually interesting that we convert, I would say we convert someone's workflow into an AI worker. It's basically just a container of a lot of AI technologies. And then we license that back to the provider at a fraction of the cost. And we actually help people train it. So here's the cool thing. I don't think AI is replacing people. I think it's just making them 10x the capacity. So if you don't embrace using AI, you're not embracing the ability to 10x yourself. And so instead of education systems saying, hey, let's not let the students like use chat GPT, I think that's all wrong. I think we teach the kids how to use the AI tools, how to write faster, how to be better. That's how we're going to stay competitive as a country, how we're going to stay competitive, you know, again, as like an education system is it's not going to be reading and writing. It's going to be interpretation. It's going to be impact. It's going to be create creative solutions that like that's where human value will go, not repetitive tasks and workflows like accounting workflows, for example, that's like a, you know, if this, then that, that's all going away. No, you're, you're right. There was an article in Business Insider about a school in Switzerland that a uh, boarding school in Switzerland, where they said, dude, we're not, we're, all these public schools are banning ChatGPT. Like, why not just ban the calculator? Like, this is just another tool in your tool belt. Yeah. My daughter's going to that school now, by the way, which is oh, uh, cool. ironically fascinating stuff. Also, I read a book Years and years, way, way over, I think over 25 years ago, it was Bill Gates's business at, a, at the speed of thought. And this was before the word AI came out, but when computers came out. I mean, this is like when people really started adapting the internet and adapting computers and adapting to them. And, and uh, they thought business was going to go away and all their jobs were going to go away. And to a degree, they were right, but new jobs came. And Bill Gates made the argument, this isn't taking away work, it's taking the drudgeny out of work. Because really, who yeah. in that, what what did you say, $7 trillion in, in pushing data? Who in that $7 trillion is really in love with, I type this here and then move that there? What else can they be doing with their human mind to accelerate, to, to move themselves and in, in a business forward aside from drudginous monotonous tasks and then there's a nice cost saving too because you're not uh you're not you're not wasting money on on drudgeny yeah and i think it has to it's exactly right we're going through a shift right now where in every shift fear accrues right fear accrues to oh where the job's going right but like you said new jobs pop up 
where are those jobs going to be? I've, I've asked, talked to this about this topic. So where are these new jobs going to be? Well, there's real world problems, not digital problems that are that are manifesting at a faster rate, whether it be available to uh, good food, water, uh, infrastructure problems, mechanics, right? All these things that are in the real world that we can't just automate. It's not that easy, right? To put a physical robot to do your laundry. There are things now that like will move back to more service-oriented jobs. How many people do we need to operate the big system, right? So if there's $7 trillion in the software system, I truly think like at the end of the day, let's talk 20 years from now, maybe there's 1% of people operating computers in the future. That's people who are like 100x themselves, right? They're like, they've got the full stack, right? So that's cool. So 99% of that 7 trillion, where do they go? We've got reskilling. We've got educate education in this new paradigm. Like it's a professor and I were talking about this. Whoever can figure out how to reskill the $6.99 trillion of labor into the next thing is going to be the next trillionaire at scale. Who can reskill and retrain people at scale will be the next trillion, multi-trillion dollar opportunity because it, it's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. And, and the wind is happening faster than we ever expected, especially with large language models becoming publicly available. Have you met these people? I'm just, just throwing which, which people? I, I've met a lot the, of people, the, so which people? The $7 trillion worth of people that are doing monotonous yeah. drudgeness talks. What are we going to possibly reskill them to do? This is a great question. I think in the near term, it's probably the way we've built our platform is you manage the robots or AIs. So you actually monitor them and you train them. So sort of like the training data in a loop. So you look at it and go, it's broken. Why is it broken? There's still some things where you need human understanding and intuition to access, like train a model. So it probably moves people more to like training data, like personnel to train new models. I've seen that be a use case. The truth is it's going to be a very hard transition of what do we do with the excess cost in the system? Where do we allocate that? We tell our healthcare providers it's better to drive into better patient experiences. So if you can reallocate your current headcount, not from moving labor to maybe a better customer support center, uh, better patient experience. If that's actually available to you, then do that. Uh, we I typically only work with growing companies. And that's a really important reason is they usually don't cut heads. They usually just don't hire again. So a lot of our companies, let's say they're 500 employees and they want to triple revenue. They probably will only need to add 10% headcount to triple revenue. That's the profit. Right. It's just never it's, it's a future hiring avoidance. Sounds like it. The 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 retraining always comes down when you eliminate drudgery. It comes down to love and care. And how do you get because that's not something you can just AI out. Right. At least not at this right. point. How do you how do you express how do you get a loving, caring position? That's why they call it health care. Right. Because yeah. there's someone there that is human. And, and I think that AI is not going to remove the human experience. It's going to enhance right. it. And bring out the authentic, caring human, and that level of value is going to be that is going to be the new gold. Fascinating, Alex. So, one last question before we we start closing out: Does your company have plans to stay in the healthcare space or take what your infrastructure and 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 knowledge and army of, of Python developers? And go and work in in other fields. Great question, Michael. Yeah, we have a very uh, we're taking note from Jeff Bezos and how he built Amazon and focusing on you know his books, right? So healthcare is our books. Why? Really complicated space, a lot of different stakeholders. It helps us make a really big system. So our system, we're like the Gigafactor. We have AI that builds the AI. We can build AI workers or bots faster than anyone. We can replicate a human's workflow in as fast as six weeks. We think that's extremely valuable. And we built it so we could go into any system of record in the world and do that. Strategically, we're focused on healthcare as our first franchise, but we have other customers in real estate, manufacturing, legal, paralegal uh, flows, and then government. So I'll tell you this, 
Healthcare is where we're going to be strategically focused, probably through series. Uh, we're going to be raising series B next year and then series C probably after that. I'd say after series B, government we're very interested in, especially local governments. Think like state of Texas going in, helping out with that uh, and the initiatives there. Um, and then after that, uh, insurance, the other side of the equation from healthcare insurance, playing both sides, you know, helping on the insurance side, the payer side. Uh, these are huge, massive opportunities. So we are very open to building franchises across wherever the cost load is. Very cool. Well, when it comes to government, you couldn't do any worse. AI, artificial <laughs> intelligence, or just no intelligence at all would probably get us going. I think most of the country can agree with that. Alex, thank you. If somebody wants to find you, if if they absolutely need to talk to you because they've got something amazing, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, best way is just to email me, alex at thoughtful.ai. Alex at thoughtful.ai.io. No, no, just thoughtful.ai. Sorry. Alex at thoughtful.ai. Hit him up, doing amazing things, building an amazing organization. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for being on the Scaling Edge. Thank you for being a part of our program. We appreciate it, Alex. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it.